Well, another week, Callum, and this time we actually have a win. I know. Don't ever, uh, don't ever tell us that we don't steer you in the right direction because we both, uh, after much deliberation, said that we would have a convincing win at Sheffield United. Uh, looks a long way off considering we had one for nine games, but that's exactly what we got. Followed up just yesterday at the time of recording by uh, a loss to Man City, uh, 5-2 would usually be deemed quite a bad result. But I think many of us would have taken that with the uh, with the resting of players and everything else and heading in to some nice, favourable fixtures. So without further ado, my name is Callum Wilson. My name is Tom Murray. This is Under the Lights, heading off to Kingston Corner once again. Yeah, so Callum, um, we've actually got a win on board. The the horrible run is over, and um, well, what I'd make of that particular game is it was, you know, it was, wasn't even that much of a test for Southampton. I think a Saints at the beginning of the season may have even scored five or six in that game against Sheffield United. Yeah, and we won't get ahead of ourselves too too much. You know, we all would have taken um, a two 0 win uh, most definitely, and and although there could have been uh, more goals, you know, chances for the likes of of Minamino and, and others. Yeah, I think a 2-0 away win. A good performance, you know, not as good as we have had, but when you're on a run of, of nine games without a win in the league, to play reasonably well and be worth a 2-0 win, probably more. I think we can can definitely be happy with that. Particularly pleasing, obviously, to see Che Adams um, get that get that goal and what a good goal it was. You know, the way in which he came onto the pitch was, was obviously a negative because of of the Ings injury, but uh, he took his goal really well. And I don't know about you, but I'm I'm less worried about us missing Ings now than I was earlier in the season. I don't know if that's because there's less maybe riding on it in the league. You know, we should be fine staying up. Danny Ings hasn't been in, in fine fiddle at the last couple of months, really. And Che Adams, yeah, looks once again like he did last time to kind of taken on that mantle. But yeah, really good uh, performance, good result and, and back to winning ways, setting us up for a, a good set of fixtures. Yeah, and it's got a good set of fixtures that we're, we'll, we'll come into them in, in a moment. But just a quick note on, yeah, Shea Adams did come on the pitch in the, an injury to Ings. But as you said, now it's Ings hasn't been himself for quite some time. Saints haven't been themselves for quite some time as a team, but Ings just has a bit, has looked off the pace and not disinterested. I mean, lots of... There's lots of ways to interpret it. We know what's going on in the background in terms of the contract stuff, but we don't know what's happening exactly with that. Same as you, I'm, I'm not that worried when he came on. I just thought I don't think that inhibits our, you know, our scoring ability as much as it would normally do. I mean, after you said Shay Adams uh, on the podcast last week, I, I, I can't remember what he does on the pitch and he's been awful. And then suddenly a bit of a thunderbolt from 20 yards and that's... That's what he really needed because he carried it into the game on Wednesday. That's kind of summed up Che Adams' club, really. Um, goes a long time without doing anything, and then out of the blue, hits uh, hits unbelievable form. And uh, I think I think my my predictions last week also was that we would win uh, with a few goals, and one would go in off Che Adams' backside. Well, yeah, half half right. I wouldn't say I got the exact when which the goal went in, but. Yeah, happy to have him back in form. And he, he kind of took that form into the game against City as well. And, and I think we would be worried a little bit without Ings based on the form of our strikers and well, the whole team up until that Sheffield United game. But not only did Che Adams get a goal and get a couple of goals, 
in the last couple of games. Nathan Teller is a real plus for the last few weeks. And certainly that game against Sheffield United, I thought he was the best player on the pitch. Seemed to, for the first 10 minutes, seemed to just be him getting chopped down in that exact same area on that kind of left wing, which he tends to float out towards. But he won that penalty for Prowse. Um, and, and I just thought he was a constant menace. I think Hasenertl said that he, he covered more ground than than anyone else in that game and run himself into the ground and, and rightly got rested for uh, for the Man City game. But I fully expect him to start again against Brighton uh, on Sunday. Yeah, against against um, Sheffield United, I thought he was, as you said, the best player on the pitch. And, you know, they couldn't handle him, the constant fouls on that side. And obviously he won the penalty as well. He, he looks a, a, a real talent. And we've said this a, a couple of times now, but... I, I think that he's actually nailed down one of the uh, one of the starting spots now. Especially like injuries aside, even when players you know come back, the likes of Walcott, I would still have Teller starting as uh, now because I think whilst a lot of the team's confidence hasn't been there, Teller's confidence has not dwindled at all, and he seems to have. I think he, he didn't call it arrogance, but sort of the bravery to take people on, and we've been missing a winger to actually take people on. Yes, we had Jenepo, but he does it very sporadically. Redmond, who I thought actually was very good against um, City on Wednesday, previously hasn't been taking his man on. And I thought, Teller deserves that starting spot. He's been brilliant. He's been one of the brightest sparks of the uh, of the of the last 10 games or so. Yeah, yeah. And and the you know the proof will be in the pudding. He's he's looked sharp and he's looked um, to have a lot of energy and it, pace and running in behind. Um, as a striker, which I don't think any other striker really gives us that with Shane Long no longer being with the club. So I think he gives us something different. It's it's yet to be seen whether technically he's good enough for this level. Uh, I don't think we've seen that from those like, uh, from those performances recently. What, what he did well against Sheffield United was was that he was a menace, um, both on and off the ball. And, and like we said, he won that penalty. Um, he almost won a penalty a few a few weeks back where he we, he drew a foul, but it was um, it wasn't given rightly so. But he's kind of he, he's getting into the box. He's taking when he when he gets the ball on that kind of wing, even if he's one of the two up front, he tends to end up going out towards the wing, and you just want him to drive into the box because you feel like he can get the better of his man and he can create something. So yeah, I think I think Teller huge plus in what's been a difficult spell for us. But it, there were pluses all over the pitch. It was good to have. Walker Peters back. We looked in in much better shape as a team. I know we were playing the worst team in the league by some distance, but the the whole team looked good. Forster in goal, another clean sheet. It was essentially. I mean, if you listen to the last episode, we went through our teams, didn't we? And and we were pretty much spot on. Yeah, you know, we, we were going through the teams if Cole Walker Peters wasn't fit, which was kind of the main issue. Uh, he was fit, and the rest of the team kind of fell into place. I think maybe we were discussing whether. Minamino and Teller, which way round they would be, who would be left wing, ended up being Teller playing playing further forward in that game. But I, I feel like that was our best team from what we had to offer. We went into it and played our best team, risked those injuries, and then went into the game against Man City and and, um, and changed up a bit. Yeah, and I think any Saints fan can probably be uh, forgiven for... Think, hearing Ralph saying he's going to rotate the team against the, the best team in the country... And um, well, City being on the form that they are, you'd be a bit, you'd be what, wanting to watch that game if you'd watched it at all behind your hands and behind the sofa, thinking, oh my God, how, like, has a team ever conceded nine twice in the same season? But 
to give them credit, I thought there were plenty of positives to take from last night, despite the uh, the five two scoreline. Absolutely. Um, I mean, just the first 15, 20 minutes alone, uh, Man City couldn't get in in Southampton's third of the pitch. We had. I mean, I'm just echoing what what Pep Guardiola said in, in the post match press conference, where you know he, he just said we were we were brilliant. Um, what we what we do has caused them more issues than than anyone else really at the Etihad in that first 20 minutes um, and he was just full of full of praise for for Saints as he was before the game I like the um, the reply he had to the reporter who mentioned whether they would be looking to try and get a 9-0 and he, he kind of threw that away and said that it's not a joke 10 men with 88 minutes you know maybe they'll maybe we'll win 18 now we kind of shut him down said it was a stupid question but yeah more, more to the more to the point Pep was was more than happy with the way that not well not happy <laughs> he was uh yeah as the opposition but he, he was he was in much praise of the way in which Ralph Hassan's team played and he um I mean he likes a certain type of team I imagine it's it's part of that is is how he likes football to be played but also he he doesn't like teams who come and park the bus because it makes it difficult for him and Ralph Hassan didn't do that he played four centre-backs but he didn't park the bus in, in, in a in a roundabout way, but I, I think I think we we went at them early doors. And to be honest, I mean it wasn't a five-two scoreline by any stretch of the imagination. I think Man City were fortunate to be ahead at halftime, uh, let alone three-one. I think Saints were the better team for much of that half. Just just some individual errors. I mean, uh, Southampton's goal was an error; it was a penalty. The first goal was was an error from. A combination of Armstrong not tracking, but also Bertrand on the right side of defence, which I've never seen him play before, kind of got under the ball and, and Zinchenko was in and that ended up being a goal. This The second one, Che Adams, you know, it, it looked like it was going to be a really good ball out to the left-hand side. It just wasn't the time. And then uh, and, and then the third as well was uh, we, we should have seen that out until half-time at 1-1. But we didn't, and and every time we gave Man City a sniff of a chance, they seemed to take it, <laughs> which which was the issue. You can play many other teams, and and give the ball away and make errors like that, and they won't score five goals against you. But you know that happens. We weren't expecting to get anything from the game, and the fact that we didn't get completely and utterly embarrassed when we were playing some sort of second string players was was, you know, I'll take that. We knew we weren't going to win. We didn't get absolutely hammered, and we uh, um, we got three points against Sheffield United, and we'll have a good chance of getting three points with the first string eleven uh, against Brighton. So I don't know what your thoughts are on losing five two, and whether that's a positive or a negative. But uh, I think there are you, you kind of got to you kind of got to pick your battles, um, and I think that's what Arsenal did. Well, I think it was it's one of the first games as a Saints fan that I went into it. Not not necessarily not looking forward to it, but it was a case of I, I had no excitement about the game. I had to remind myself that it was actually on. And I was thinking, I'll watch it just for like the um, well, the, the masochist in me is if like, OK, let's see how many we get beaten by. And I was really surprised. I had, And after the first minute, I just had an inkling thing. We're actually, you know, we, we're not doing too badly. And then obviously... City scored their first shot and you're then thinking, OK, here we go. We've had our 15 minutes of fame, as it were, and now they're going to tear us apart. 
And then we got the equalizer and we played some really good stuff and it was really calm and intricate football. We weren't just, we were playing it out from the back. We weren't just hoofing it every time that a City player charged us down. We were playing our usual game and there was far more confidence in the team than I've seen in a long time, especially in the build-up. And I thought that you made a point in a pod, I think it was last year, that we play our best football when there is zero pressure on us to do well. And there was no expectation whatsoever that we were going to win that game. And yet we played probably the best half of football, well, best 40 minutes of football that we've played all year, pretty much. We played some really good stuff and it showed in, there was, there was sort of, I put it in a tweet out last night, but there seemed to be a return of that attacking confidence to actually try something, play a riskier ball, that maybe we were being a bit too conservative in our previous games, especially in that run. We weren't, the, the, the attacking play was slow, but last night it was quick, it was sharp. We played some really good stuff. Maybe the final ball was the wrong one on a couple of occasions, but you know, against City, they've got the best defence in the league. You're not, it, it's, it's difficult to, to create chances to get them. And we scored two goals. We technically netted a third, but it was ruled out for offside. Another great finish by Adams, which shows that his confidence is coming back because it was a really good finish from quite a tight angle first time. Um, yeah, it didn't count, but, you know, that's still going to do bits for his confidence to get a, another goal, as it were. But no, it came out of it thinking we've played some really good stuff. We played the same against Brighton probably come away with the three points and I'd expect us to. I've got to say, I'm, I'm surprised that you listen to anything I say, let alone remember something from a pod from last year, Tom. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, someone's got to. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I was happy with, with the finish from Adams, albeit it was offside. It just showed me something going forward that we, we all want to see from him. And yeah, I, I think you're, you're, you're pretty much spot on. I mean, we, we, we played really good football. We came out of it with some some definite credibility, which seems strange considering we lost 5-2. I felt like we lost 5-2, but we could have won that game. It's just really weird. Defensively, we were poor. City are very good and they're clinical, but defensively we didn't, yeah, we didn't defend well against against them. And what we did well was limit them to the amount of chances that they had. But they scored with every chance that they had, essentially, which which is is kind of partly down to City and partly down to us. And, you know, you say if we play like that against Brighton, then then we'll win. But it never it never happens that way, does it? I mean, obviously a different type of opponent. Brighton do like to have the ball, um, play a different system. And like you said, there is that added bit of pressure because we're the home team and we should be the favourites. So, yeah, happy with our week's work, happy to get three points on the board and happy not to... Uh, be completely demolished by Man City and to come out of it without, well, the Man City game, to come out of it without any major injury. I don't know what the story is with um, Gineppo because he was, he was having, he had a bit of issue uh, in the first half and then didn't re-emerge second half. So I assume that that was something to do with an injury. And obviously Danny Ings against Sheffield United uh, it just seems that when we get our team together, that someone else falls to the sword. But, Going into the game against Brighton, you know, Carl Walker-Peters is still on the pitch, which is just so huge for us. Um, and I just feel like we've got a real good chance of, of playing some good football, confident football, and 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 with almost our best eleven out. Just before we go on to the, the fixtures and the Brighton game, what we've got coming up, I'm just interested to know what your take was on the way in which Arsenal 
managed the squad because it's you know it's, it's clear for all to see that we don't have a very big squad, don't have much uh, cover in certain positions, and usually we don't rotate the squad. But Ralph, with three games in a week and the second one being almost unwinnable, what did you think about the way in which he kind of moved the square pegs in the round holes? And and I mean, there were a lot of players playing out of position. He even swapped the goalkeeper, which I think is a really interesting one. Uh, what did you make of the likes of <coughs> Bertrand at right back, Salisu at left back, Stevenson in holding midfield? I actually really enjoyed Bertrand at right back. I thought he did really well. And I think, I can't remember, uh, it, might, it might have been Martin Tyler or um, Hinchcliffe who made, I, I saw you uh, you put out that he didn't do his research regarding Salisu's footedness. But um, I, I agreed with, I think, with his bit of analysis about City like to cut inside and therefore Bertrand maybe on the right side would mean that he could try and force him inside onto his stronger foot. However, Bertrand Bertrand is a very versatile player, and I think Salasu is a better left back than Bednarik is a better right is is a right back if you get me. So I think Bertrand he's a fullback by trade. Either side, you know, he's experienced enough to play on either side, and he's been moved around in his Saints career quite some time from centre back, left back, right back. So I think it was a, a decent move. And Salisu, I thought he did pretty well at left-back, actually. He played some really calm football. And he does have a bit of pace about him as well. So he could get up the line should he need to. I think the overall rotation was good from Hasenhutl. And I think it was needed. We saw last time Walker-Peters came back from injury. He played against Wolves in the Cup. And then he played against Wolves in the League a couple of days later. And then he was, was out for another couple of weeks so he he does he's a bit fragile and we probably well probably we did bring him back from injury too soon and um, we've seen now over the last what 10 games or so just how important a player he is to have in our team and he just increases the attacking prowess and the defensive capability of that right side to keep him wrapped up in cotton ball for the games that we think we have a really good chance of winning city was Unlikely, but borderline impossible to get anything from. So it's a case of keeping the score down, making it respectable. We no need to risk really important players against them. Yes, Armstrong's involvement was a bit of a surprise because we know he struggles with three games in a week. But we did bring him off, I uh, think, around the 65-minute mark or something like that. So he obviously, obviously, obviously had run his, his part. McCarthy was a strange one because I feel if you're bringing a keeper back to maybe get some experience, maybe get the confidence up, City's not exactly the best team to bring him back for, where you're probably going to be picking the ball out of the net four or five times at the, you know, most likely. Maybe it was to keep Forster from having his confidence knocked because his his confidence is so high at the moment. And again, against Sheffield United, they didn't have many shots. We didn't concede many shots. And that's that's what he does. He just organises that defence so well. And once again, a very solid performance from him, albeit against the worst team in the league in terms of position and scoring goals. But again, organisation of the defence. And when we've got such a key key run of fixtures coming up, you want to have your best keeper in their best confidence whatsoever. And if, you know, if, if the worst came to worst and we played our best team against City got a couple of injuries and we conceded six or seven, then suddenly we've got two goalkeepers with both back confidence back to the lowest of the low. So that's my take on it regarding yeah. the goalkeeper situation. Yeah, I think mine's the same. I think I think we were trying to save Forster from from a from a difficult situation. I think Ralph Hassan still knew there was a chance that we'd concede five plus goals. Um, 
Forster's only conceded one goal since he came back into the side, and that was against Everton. So to have him with, what, five clean sheets in six or four out of five, something like that, it, he still has that run. He's still, you know, it's, it's, it's about building confidence, but also it's about building a kind of a, like a routine, but just he, he's used to not conceding goals. And it sounds stupid, but psychologically, if, if he's used to that, then he'll take that into each game and your focus is higher and everything else. Once you start conceding goals, you don't, you don't want it to become like, oh, oh there's another goal. Because that's kind of what it was becoming like from Carthy. And that's what happens against teams like Man City. So I kind of felt a little bit for McCarthy because it was almost like, you know, he was involved in a 9-0 already. He's then been bumped to the bench for games like Sheffield United um, and probably Brighton. And then um, <laughs> and then he gets a go against the, the best team in, in certainly in, in England, potentially in the world at the moment on current form. So, yeah, I, I think Forster's our number one. I also wonder if McCarthy's maybe going to be the cup keeper now. And interestingly, what, what Ralph said uh, a few games back was that when Forster first came in, uh, I think it was against Everton, when he first came in, he, he said that he was bringing him in because he wanted to kind of keep his cup goalkeeper a bit fresh. So he didn't, he didn't want to go ages and ages before he played in the cup and he was rusty. And uh, he ended up playing well and, and clearly kept his, his position for Sheffield United. Now, we've got three games in a week and the, the, the second game is usually the one where you ring the changes. And I think, had McCarthy still been our number one, I think Forster would have played in the game against Man City. I think the second string keeper was always going to be played because you know there's no obvious first choice. So he's kind of keeping both of them relatively active I think Forster will come back in um, and I think McCarthy will probably play against Bournemouth maybe because then the, the cup games are, are very important as well now so um, yeah I thought it was interesting and I thought it was actually good management really um, I think Forster you know there were some good finishes McCarthy did make some errors how he got away with the penalty I don't know but it's about time someone else had to moan about VAR and it wasn't just us so yeah, I, I, I'd be happy to see Forster back in and maintaining that kind of um, leadership and strong defensive base that we seem to have when Forster's in the team. This was a one-off. It didn't affect Forster, who we know has struggled kind of psychologically with football over the years. It didn't affect Walker-Peters. didn't affect the likes of Diallo who came on for Stevens after about 60 minutes. So players were kept fresh, like your Armstrongs, like your Diallos, but they weren't running to the ground. So I thought he managed it really well. And I, I, when I saw the team, I thought it was quite clever because I, like you, would rather see... I always thought if Bertrand got injured, it's not ideal, but we have a quick centre-back who's left-footed in Salisu. So we kind of have a little bit of cover. We just don't have anything at right-back with Walker-Peters, so I would rather see Sully Sue left-back and Bertrand put over there than see Bednarak or Stevens over at right-back again. So I, I, th I thought that was a good move. And also, if you're going to rest players against Man City without wanting to get hammered, but so that you can still have your first-choice team against Brighton, then for every player you drop, you might as well 
or replace them with a centre back <laughs> because and that and that's that's essentially what he did. He was like, we'll, we'll rest our players. We're going to put square pegs in round holes. Let's get as many defenders on the pitch as possible so we can try and do that first. Ironically, we defended awfully, but um, yeah, I, I didn't mind it too much. I don't think we caught City on their best day. I think clinical, they were, but in terms of their actual play, I don't think they were that great. Um, so, so I'd be, I'd be quite happy. I think we've got choices to be made, but positive ones coming to the weekend. Uh, I think, I think it's reasonably predictable the team that we'll, we'll put out. I think Forster will start. I do think he's our number one. And with that Bertrand, Vestergaard, Bednarak and and Carl Walker Peters, I think we'll have Diallo come back into the side with with Ward Prowse. Minamino will come back in, I feel, on one side. And I think Armstrong will play again. We took him off, so we played two thirds of the game. I'm ho- hopefully he, he's okay to play against Brighton. And I think Teller will come back in to partner. Adams, you know, Red- Redmond didn't do enough to come back into the squad after what he's shown us the, the last few weeks. Uh, other than that, it's pretty much the youth, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I, I'd be pretty confident that we can play some good football against um, against Brighton. And we do need a strong side because although they are where they are in the league, um, I don't think that really reflects just how good a team they are. They seem to be the unluckiest team in the league at the moment. Uh, I know... The expected goals stat yeah. is it, it like they they have like three or four each game or something like that. Maybe maybe not as high as four, but they seem it's to on, be on the on the xG is that they've got um, saw it recently. If so, so for anyone who doesn't understand it, the stat is essentially the expected goals per game, sort of based on chances created and sort of general play, but based on not only just on their expected goals going forward, but also their expected goals conceded, that if it was based on that, they'd be fourth in the league. Um, and I know it sounds like pie in the sky, but essentially what it means is they're a good team, but they can't finish their dinner. And every time they do seem to concede a chance, it seems to go in the back of the net. Um, so defensively, they're pretty sound. I remember Matt Ryan was had by far and away the lowest save percentage of any goalkeeper before he moved to Arsenal. Um, don't know if Sanchez is doing much better, but yeah, they're, they're a side that don't get dominated and lose by the odd goal. And it just seems that they, they could be a better team on the pitch, but they miss all their chances and um, and they concede when it matters. So by no means are we facing a side that is kind of relegation standard. I, th- I think they should be higher than they are in the league. Not fourth, but I think they, I don't think they should be in trouble that they are in. I'm, I play devil's advocate on that because, yes, they are unlucky, but, you know, we're, we're 28 games in and they're still down in 17th. Now, being unfortunate for a few games is, is one thing, but this has gone on for the, you know, three quarters of the season. So teams are down there for a reason and... It seems to be well that they just can't finish their chances consistently. But I still, I still agree. It's going to be a tough, tough game. It's not going to be one that we're going to run away with. And it'd be churlish to to think that, to be honest, considering the form that Saints are in. Yes, we beat Sheffield United, but that Sheffield United and everyone bar Manchester United and Newcastle seems to beat them. So I think I, I feel I, I expect to win at the weekend, and I'd be disappointed if we don't get uh, a victory. 
but as, as you said, it, it's going to be it's going to be a weird one because they are quite good in possession and they do have some good players. But as you said, they they kind of need to have the ball on the goal line for it to be maybe a chance of them scoring. Yeah, well, I think even even towards the end of last season, after Project Restart or or right at the beginning of this season, the kind of every single time they played and they lost, there seemed to be a kind of a, a interview with Graham Potter saying oh well you know you played really really well but you know you were unlucky and he's kind of sick and tired of you know that that happening every single game and being asked about it because um, he's sick and tired of, of being competitive and playing well and then not getting what they deserved which is, is usually the, the kind of phrase that seemed to follow them around and like you said 28 games into the season I feel like they're still there and for a team to be what are they 16th in the league there or thereabouts Graham Potter seems to have quite a lot of good standing amongst other coaches and um, you know, I think Pep Guardiola himself said that he, he thought he was the best English manager and everyone everyone seems to still rate him but but he hasn't really done anything with his Brighton side so I think I think you're right I think goals are the problem I think they've got so many mediocre forwards um, they've got Danny Welbeck who looks like their most likely goal scorer kind of says it all Malpai is is their goal scorer but he seems to be in and out of the team and has had some kind of some attitude problems. It seems earlier in the season he, he doesn't seem to be their kind of leading marksman. And then players like just kind of bit part players like Connolly and McAllister who seem to come in every now and again. But you don't really know what they do, and they're probably Championship standard. If that's I don't know if that's being unfair. Well, one player who may make an appearance who's been injured or seems to find himself unavailable for his team every time he comes to back to play against Southampton, we might actually see Adam Lalana at St Mary's. But yes. without without the fans, he'll probably there's probably how ironic. The only time he does get to actually play for another team against Southampton at St Mary's, it's when the fans are not there. Yeah, and you know what? As you were saying that, I I my mind couldn't think of who on earth you were talking about. That's how much I've forgotten about Adam Lallana. Hopefully that, that doesn't come back to bite us uh, on Sunday. I, I think I think it will be a draw. I, I think we never find it easy against Brighton. I don't think anyone does. We just covered that, but they've they've got enough in them. I don't think we're full of goals without Danny Ings, let's be honest. You know, Che, che Adams and Nathan Teller. You now Adams is playing well at the moment, but I don't, I don't think... Our attacking threat is. I know we're going to get three, four, five goals in games, um, and you know Brighton kind of they're, they're always competitive, and whenever they come to St Mary's, it always seems to end up being a draw. Remember last season we when we did the um, when we did the Alamach Sport um, audio description remotely when when we first went into lockdown and we played them in one of those evening games where there was a game on every day and and. It just we, we it was kind of a bit drab, but I feel like Brighton that was due to Brighton rather than ourselves. We kind of couldn't get our game going, and I think they do that. I think they've got good players like Basuma who will break things up and make things difficult for you. They've got you know their defence is good; it's always good. They've got, they've got the likes of White and Dunk and Webster, so they're never easy to play against. On those on those players, uh, I believe I actually had a little look on the Premier League injuries website. They they've got no Webster. Lamptey seems to be out for the season, so that's a big player that is missing for well, them. He's been out. He's been out for months anyway. Lamptey yeah. since Christmas. Yeah. So no Webster. I think uh, Connolly is maybe like a touch and go for the weekend. 
Um, I'd imagine it will probably be similar to how they lined up against Leicester, to be honest, Alana and Mopai up front. But you see, it's right. I think I can't. I think every single game that we played them at St Mary's since they got promoted has been has been a draw. We seem to beat them away from home, um, but then we can't actually get the job done at St Mary's. And I think we were even two 0 up at one point, and we still couldn't do it. So I think heads for me would say probably end up in a one-all draw. But I'd like to think that we can, you know. Go on a run because remember this is our last Premier League game before the international break. What's the score at Brighton away from home this season? I can't, I can't we, remember. We beat them two one with that Walker Peters penalty VAR decision. That was it in the box. A long was it time after? ago that was it. it? That was very early in the season. And they played quite. They actually managed to stifle us really well in that game. And that's when we had the sort of the confidence, the arrogance of being quite high up in the league. And they seemed to. I mean, they they scored from a penalty from Ward Prowse doing. I don't I have no idea. The handball, of course, yeah. And I did what he was doing, and then obviously Vestergaard equalised with a towering header. But that was a game that we brought Ings on at half time, and we still didn't create that much. And it was a bit of luck that got us that got us that yeah. winning goal because it was that long diagonal ball to Walker Peters, and I still don't know if it was inside or outside. It took the about box. ten minutes and multiple multiple replays of, of whether it was in the box or not but that kind of that kind of encapsulates my, my point really in that even when we beat them I never feel like we deserve to I never feel like we're convincingly the better team you know the amount of times that we've had games where we should have won and think but yeah we were better than them you know I, we never really do that against Brian maybe they're just good at stifling their opponents and, and breaking up their game so it'll be really interesting to see but that leads on to a, a, a good run of, of sort of five fixtures, League and Cup, um, where there's a real chance for Saints to, to turn their form around and, and, and pick up some points and, and get to, uh, to the semi-final of a Cup. Yeah, there's actually, it, it's almost similar shades to the run of fixtures that we had for Project Restart. There's a real chance for us to kickstart after some indifferent form and finish the season on, you know, on a high and maybe look positively positively into next year because the likes of Brighton, in terms of league, Brighton, then we got, after the break, we got West Brom, Burnley, Palace. I mean, they, those are four very winnable games and four games that we really should be picking up points from all of them, really. And in those four games, we can put aside any relegation fears whatsoever. We have the chance of having it maybe, because then we've got a difficult run. I think it's again, we've got the likes of Leicester, Liverpool, Spurs. But by that... West by Ham the, as well, end of the West, season. West Ham and Leeds and Fulham. So, you know, after, after that run of four, there aren't many games that you look at and think, OK, we're definitely going to win this fixture. You know, it depends on what kind of form Fulham are in. They're fighting for their lives and, you know, they just beat Liverpool. They're playing very well. Uh, Leeds are a tricky customer, as we've already experienced a couple of weeks ago. And then you, Liverpool at Anfield, you can't expect them to lose eight or nine home league games in a row. May happen, but it's, it's highly unlikely. But in terms of just concentrating on the next four, you know, there's a real chance... It, we kind of have to pick up points from these games because if we don't, then we could get dragged into some kind of trouble. Um, so it's important for the team to pick up wins. And of course, you know, a lot of people say this is turning out to be a real, you know, crap season, but we could still be find ourselves at Wembley. And I don't know about you, but I think most Saints fans every single time would take finishing 17th if it meant you brought the cup home. Yeah, yeah. And, and going to Wembley in something other than the Papa John's trophy a year on would be um, 
would would be really good, really good for for a team on the south coast. I think you're right. I, I mean, really, a win and a draw, I think, sees Southampton safe, and I think we should be setting our sights higher than that over that period, just that period alone. Um, let alone the the games we've got later on in the season, which you which you rightly allude to. In amongst those league games, uh, the game after after Brighton actually is uh, an FA Cup semi-final. Quarter-final. Brighton on the, Brighton on the Sunday. I'm uh, sorry, quarter-final for a place in the semi-final. <laughs> We've got Brighton on the Sunday and then that cup game is a week later is, is at, at the weekend, isn't it? So no. Yeah, that'll be, that's a Saturday. That is a no Saturday at quarter past 12. And I know that because we're doing a build-up and I need to be in for 10 o'clock. So it's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day and we better win because I've got the sun. I've got the Sunday off afterwards. So I'd like to go into the Sunday with the thought that we're in a semi-final. Basking in glory of, of success. Yeah, I, I, so what's good about that is also that we have a whole week, so we should really be able to play the same side, injuries permitting. Always always in the subtext there, injuries permitting. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I put the fixture list on immediately after the game yesterday. You know, is what it is. Moving on, here's our next five games. And, and quite a lot of people decided to kind of share their predictions on, on what they thought we'd get, which is great. Most of them, you know, 90% of them pretty optimistic. Um, a lot of them sort of saying, you know, that we should be getting nine points minimum, which I think is, after I run a form, I th- no game's easy at this point, really. Everyone's got something to play for. And if they haven't, it's probably because they're reasonably good at football. So, yeah, everyone's got everyone's got something. Brighton will be fighting. Burnley will be fighting. West Brom are still in with an outside chance. You know, these these teams have got something to play for. So I don't think it's as easy as that. A lot of fans getting excited about the prospect of, of putting points on the board. One fan in particular seemed to be very excited. His predictions were um, eight points and a semi. I said, well, <laughs> said, well whatever, you know, whatever gets you going, mate. But I think I think I would definitely take <laughs> I'll definitely take that. If we yeah, if we manage to get a couple of wins, a couple of draws, easily sees us safe, gets us gets us over that forty point mark, and we look forward to a trip to Wembley in the semi finals after beating our South South Coast South Coast little brothers, as we might call them. Um, I think that would be a, a a really good season by the end of it if we if we manage to get to a final and we've hit forty points at that stage. It often happens once you get to that period and you're safe, you seem to lose every game in the league because you, you, your focus is on the cup. I could see something like that happening with Saints, but yeah, who cares? Once we get over that 40-point mark, I think everyone's eyes are on the cup because there's nothing else to play for. Um, and at that point, we can afford to rotate our squad in a way that suits us rather than you know, needing to, to get points from every single game. I know we'll go one game at a time and blah, 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 like they always say, but you know, Harsenis will be will definitely, especially after that win against Sheffield United and getting that win on the board, he will definitely have his eyes on that Bournemouth game. And I'm, I'm pleased that we've got a week's run from the Cup, well, almost a week's run, six days from that game against Brighton to that Cup game against Bournemouth. Essentially, you know, the, the games over the next uh, couple of weeks or so, you know, it gives us a chance to have a, well, 
in terms of the league, we, we essentially have the chance to make it a worry-free end of the season and play with some freedom that we saw last season. I mean, we played some terrific football once we assured ourselves that we weren't going to get relegated and we ended up with 51 points. So, you know, it's a real chance to get results in the next couple of games and you can start to not worry because this weekend could... I mean, we said it about last weekend against Sheffield United. We get a win, Fulham have got Liverpool. So essentially, we've got a chance to make it a 10-point gap and then you can start to breathe easy. Fulham then went very well and beat Liverpool. They're playing Man City next. Now, that's a different kettle of fish altogether. You'd have to, even the most ambitious of Fulham fans can't really imagine them to get much from a game against City as any team at the moment. So there's a real chance for us, if we can win, to make the gap 10 points. And then you're sitting with nine games to go and games against West Brom and Palace to go in terms of just sealing the, the league status for another year. And then, of course, focus on the cup. And it could be a really enjoyable end of the season. You know, if we if we get into the semi-final, then you know, use the league games to rotate, to, to try out things, to build some confidence. I mean, it's amazing what, what, what a win does to your confidence because we've just beaten bottom of the league. And yes, we've lost to City, but we've played with... With, with the confidence that we've been on a run for a very long time. And it just helps that, you know, get that winning feeling back and you can start playing some decent football. And I expect to see that again at the weekend. So, yeah, there's a real chance to end the season on a, on a real high and potentially win a, win a cup. I know we're going to do a, an episode next week dedicated to the, the FA Cup match, but a bit of news this week is it's, it's a shame, to, actually today, it's a shame to to hear it and um, we hope he makes a really swift recovery. But one of Bournemouth's standout players of the season, Lewis Cook, has, is actually out for a considerable number, number of months now with a serious knee injury, which... Well, it's, it's, it's very bad. We wish him well. We hope he makes a quick recovery. But also, you know, Bournemouth losing a player of that calibre works well for Saints. And, you know, we should be beating a championship outfit anyway. But just sort of points it in our direction a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure Bournemouth fans and especially Steve Cook um, wouldn't give two shits if Saints were missing a defender. So I've got to be honest, uh, I, I, you know, it's never nice for, for any player to get an injury. But that's what happens in football. And... Um, if you're going to hear that Bournemouth are missing a key player, then that's only a positive for Saints going into that game. I think we've got, obviously, the Brighton game, the Bournemouth game, then maybe the game after that, you know, this kind of Burnley-West Brom, that's where we might see the return of Danny Ings. If we are going to get to a semi-final of the FA Cup, we're going to have to do it without the former Cherry um, without our, our star front man, and and that's something that I'm sure I'm sure Bournemouth fans will be seeing as a very, very you know a good thing and 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 a positive for them. Another point about that is that since losing Danny Ings, we've actually scored four goals in two games. <laughs> this is very true. Well, less than two games because he went off part way into that um into that game against Sheffield United, didn't they? Of course, you mentioned the other day that that Shane Long's in a decent little bit of form um, for Bournemouth. Obviously, he you know he can't play against us. Because he just he's knew. Tight, we he just knew know. if he did, he um, would score. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, and yeah, if, if he did, then then Shane Long typically would 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 somehow manage to find a goal against us. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think look, like you said, we are more than good enough to be beating Bournemouth at the Vitality, and if we get through to uh, get through that game, then we're suddenly one win away from the FA Cup final. And there are some good sides left in the competition. But as we know, if we can keep that team fit and we can manage them with the rotation, then on our day, 
we can beat anyone. There's a reason why we were in the dizzy heights of top of the league at one point and consistently in the top four sort of through the autumn. And that's because we were beating sides. Uh, every, every time we, we went on the pitch, we won. And that's because we didn't have those injuries and we have a way of playing. So if we can, you know, ideally, if we can get this 40-point mark or it, well, even sort of 37, 38-point mark ASAP, yeah, if we can get a win against Brighton, get a win against Bournemouth and get a win against Burn. If we can win our next three games, we are suddenly in a very good position whereby we can rest players in league games in the knowledge that it will have no effect on us. And that's something that will have an advantage over other sides that are still left in, in the FA Cup. The likes of, of your, your big teams who are still in Europe or still fighting for a title or for, well, not the title because Man City have got that, but still fighting to get into a European place for next season, all those sorts of things. Saints won't have that. Saints will be in a really good position whereby they can manage a small squad with the sole priority of winning their cup games. Um, and, and that is massive. And of course, after the um, international break, we're expecting the return of Theo Walcott from injury, whether that takes a, a week or a two after the international break, I'm not sure. But, you know, that slowly but surely we're getting our best players back and Diffings is back at the end. You know, get through get through to the semi-finals, and as you say, we might be essentially back to full strength, except from Romeo. Yeah, and, and I'm just hoping he can manage he can manage the squad in the right way. Um, I mean, there's only there's only four days between Man City and Brighton, and we've we we rested some players, but there'll be a lot of players that play 120 minutes those two games. So we could quite easily be looking next week ahead to that Bournemouth game, going. Bloody hell, we're missing Che Adams now, so we haven't got a bloody recognised striker. Um, Carl Walker-Peters has picked up another injury. Bertrand's gone as well because we've overplayed him. Vestergaard's limped off. And all of a sudden, we're back where we've been for the rest of the you know, for, for the last few months. So, yeah, I, I, I think, personally, I think we're definitely able to win on Sunday. It's on BBC, um, 12 o'clock. I think so, everyone... We'll be able to watch that, um, and and I and I think there's a really good chance of us winning that. No guarantee. If we can get that win, sets us up really nicely for that Bournemouth game. And yeah, let's not take anything for granted. There's a reason they're in that quarterfinal, like we are, and they're going pretty well in in the cup uh, in the in the league. Um, Woodgate, sort of the caretaker manager at the moment. So, and and they'll want it. They'll want to beat us in this game almost as much as the time that they tried to send us down at St Mary's and that went swimmingly for us. So let's let's focus one game at a time. We'll get that win against Brighton, um, hopefully no injuries, and we can go into that Bournemouth game um, with a strong side, a week's worth of rest, managed in the right way on the training ground. Winning our next two games will put us in a really, really strong position and maybe, just maybe, we can get a bit of cup fever back down at St Mary's. Um, because we were in the FA Cup semi-final a few a few years back, but I feel it'll be a hell of a different vibe with uh, Arsenal's side and the way that we can play, as opposed to uh, Mark Hughes just about stumbling through against Wigan. Here's one. Here's a story for you for FA Cup drama. Set, I'm just setting the scene. We play against Brighton. We lose Adams. We lose loads of players to injury. 
We recall Shane Long. He steps up against Bournemouth, <laughs> scores the winner, and then we say, yeah, you can go back to Bournemouth now. Boom, sorted. And Shane Long becomes a local hero, and we're into the semi-finals. Uh, but fingers crossed, actually, we get to... Uh, I, I, nothing against the lad, but I don't want to be stepping up against Bournemouth in the FA Cup with our only recognised striker as Dan and Runduli. Yes, yeah. Shane Long, is, uh, he has got history with uh, scoring important... Uh, away cup goals for Saints um, trying mm. to put my finger on it there is one I can think of but um, yeah Dan and Lindula will, will I think we'll get some games in the league this season you know the way if, if we can get through in that cup then we'll be seeing the likes of him we'll be we'll be able to blood some other of our youngsters so even though we are looking to bring in some some bodies in the summer if we've managed to give our youth a little bit more exposure in a less kind of in a less kind of volatile scenario where you know putting Kane Ramsey in when we lose nine nil against Man United and having to bring in um, kegs and, and other young players and those sorts of games it'd be quite nice to kind of blood them in the ways in which we want to where there's no pressure and then next year they could be in a position some of them where they're useful assets to us in terms of the squad so yeah Suddenly, you know, this time last week, we were wondering where the next win will come from. And th people saying things like, if we lose to Sheffield United, Ralph has to go. We were in a relegation fight, blah, blah, blah. One win and one 5-2 loss later. And suddenly we're talking about uh, a bright and rosy future with, uh, with silverware, potentially. Who calls football fans fickle, eh? <laughs> you know, one win and suddenly we are, um, we're going to win the league. Lose against Brighton and it'll be, well... Might as well get ready for trips to Wickham Wanderers next season. <laughs> if they're even in the league, I don't think they're even going to survive in the championship. I know, I know we want to, we're, we're going to wrap this up in just a moment, but one youth player that's actually been getting a lot of minutes, but it's gone a bit under the radar, maybe because they haven't made a huge contribution, is Caleb Watts, who's been played quite a bit. What, what have you made of his, of his small amounts of minutes on the pitch? He looks, I mean, being thrown against City is a, is a difficult one, but he looks kind of, quite composed on the ball. I think he's the sort of the next one to come through and get many minutes, as it were. That's difficult, you know, because we haven't seen much of him. Yeah, he came on for a very brief cameo against Man City. Other games, he's, he's never really played more than 10 minutes at a time. Um, and it's often been in games where Saints have been struggling over the last few months because, yeah, the reason we've brought him on is because we've got no one else to bring on and we've been, we've been struggling and we've been playing poorly. So I, I, it's hard to judge him unless you put him in maybe from the start in a game with the first team and see how we kind of how he works on and off the ball because it's hard to come into a game as well when everyone else has played 80 minutes or or, or whatever and and you come on and you know your first touch is a bit rusty I think we saw that a little bit against Man City I think the ball sort of came into him a couple of times and he he miscontrolled it or tried to take someone on and just couldn't quite get there but yeah he certainly seems to be someone that that Ralph wants to give some minutes to and he might be another one where, where we see maybe um, some longer cameos uh, in, in towards the end of the season. Hopefully we're in a position to to bring him in. Although, you know, I, I did say the other day, um, I'm not sure how good this lad will be because Australia isn't exactly renowned for um, for their football. I thought he'd more, got, got a better chance of being an Aussie rules footballer, but they're, they're more cricket and rugby than anything. So I don't know how, uh, I don't know if we're going to have the next big thing coming out of Australia. But Caleb Watts, if he is the next big thing coming out of Australia, he is the next 
Mark Viduka or Harry Kuehl, then uh, then then I'll, I'm happy for him to be on our books. But yeah, I, I can't really give much of a judgment on him to be honest. Mate. Yeah, youth players come on, they run around for ten minutes, they go off. That seems to what's been the case recently. Um, Nathan Teller seems to be standout youth player that we've had come through. The others. Yeah, we'll see if they can force themselves in, but it's only going to get harder because the squad will only get better. You know, with the exception of Danny Ings, probably, and maybe Bertrand if they don't sign the contract. I don't really see many of our players, first team players, going in the summer. Mm. But I can see us, although others might not agree because the board's stingy. I can see us in you know reinvesting, even if we reinvest money from Ings in the squad. So we'll, we'll, our squad, I think, will be bigger next season mm. is what I'm trying to say. And it will be more difficult for the likes of Caleb Watts to get in. So Now um, is the chance, as it were. Yeah. And like we like, like I'd said before, you know, if we, if we secure safety in the next three or four games and we're in the semi-final of the Cup, suddenly those youth players will be relied on more in those league games where the result really doesn't matter. So we might get to see him play 90 minutes or, or, or 60 or come on after the hour. And then we can then we can see what they've got. And like I said, if they, if they get experience and they impress, then they could be part of the of the squad, you know, properly a part of the squad next season and, and, and an asset, kind of like Teller is now or Ndulu. So, yeah, uh, Caleb Watts, he, look, he, he looks very, very young, doesn't he? Um, he look, he look, almost looks like a, like a school child that's like won a competition to play. Not that, not representing his actual skill because I think he's obviously a far better footballer than I will ever be. But uh, I mean, in terms of he, he looks about twelve when he comes onto the pitch. Yeah, he does. You, you kind of expect him to um, to be wearing long. Huh? Asking his parents for, for for permission to play on the side of the pitch. Yeah, you kind of you're kind of expecting him to be wearing long sleeves that are just way too long for him. Uh, that, that's what he looks like. Looks like he turned up in his dad's in his dad's um, Saint shirt. But yeah, we've got youth players. You just don't know how good they are because we're kind of forced to play them. You know, would these players be anywhere near the squad if we didn't need them as backup? Because no. God knows we've needed them this season um, because we've had nothing else but injuries. So yeah, I haven't got too much to say on. Um, Caleb Watts, Nathan Teller more so because we've seen a lot of him and I hope to see a lot more of him. I hope he, he, he plays against Watford. Uh, I hope he plays against Brighton and I hope he, he plays against Bournemouth as well because I think that's that's his sort of game. Just a goal for him would be good. We yes. get a goal for him. You know, he had a nice little shot against Sheffield United. He's, he's got a couple of assists, won some penalties. It, but as a striker, if we can see that kind of clinical, natural finishing instinct then it's something to be really excited about. Otherwise, I can see him playing more and more as a, as a winger for Saints. Final question to you. We're going to be doing the uh, preview to the FA Cup next week. What kind of result are we going to be going into the game on the back of? A quick, a quick fire prediction. Brighton game, 1-1. Um, I am going to go for 1-0 because we don't concede with Fraser Forster. This is true. Nil nil then. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be a draw. I think it'll be a draw. But you know what? It could be a one nil because big phrase breathes clean sheets. He does. He does. Well, we've actually ended on a positive this time. So uh, yeah. what difference a win makes, eh? 
Exactly, we're going to win the league, although that is now mathematically impossible. Anyway, if you want to find the podcast on Twitter, you can find us at underscore Saints. If you want to contact myself, you can find me at T214Murray. You can find me at Callum Wilson 21 Thank you very much for listening. Any questions ahead of that Bournemouth podcast uh, next week, then um, then do fire them over to either myself, Tom, or via the uh, Under the Lights Twitter page. Um, and all that's left to say is stay safe, stay wonderful. <laughs>